It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 55, Samson, Part 2. Judges 14.1, Samson went down to Timnath. Judges 14.5, then went Samson down and his father and mother to Timnath. Judges 14.7, and he went down. Judges 14.10, so his father went down. The story of Samson can really be explained with these partial verses. Samson's going to go down. And he's going to go down and he's going to take a lot of people with him. This man had great physical strength, but had incredible spiritual weaknesses. But all the same, the story of his life is quite entertaining and full of incredible symbolism. Here we go. So Samson lives in Zora, which is an elevation above a valley in a location in the location of Timnath, which is a Philistine city. He observes a Philistine woman that he falls in love with which will be the pattern of Samson's life and his weakness, foreign women. His lusts were untamed most of his life, so controlled by his eyes and his lust, he will find himself and his eyes themselves betrayed by them. Let me give a listener a visual of Samson. Imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger, back in his heyday, a little shorter, stronger and wider, more muscles, and of course, less German, but with the beard and long, very long hair. And let's keep the deep voice just for fun. Here's his first words in the Bible. Judges 14, 2. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnath. Now get her for me as my wife. Isn't that great? I mean, I have seen a woman. Now get her for me. Incredible. I have seen a woman, now get her for me. This will be the story of Samson. Not a lot of wisdom shown and little self-control combined with lots of lust and major aggression. Uh, so, So let's note he is very boyish and he loves riddles and talking them as well. His parents try to reason with him to marry an Israelite and he refuses. His response is very typical. Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. You got to love the old use of the old English. She pleaseth me. Isn't that great? She pleaseth me well. Take note here. It was Manoah and his wife that tried to talk reason with him, but he didn't listen. The next verse is incredibly interesting. Judges 14.4. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. So God is using Samson to pick a fight with the Philistines. Remember, it was Israel who broke the pattern of sin. Sin has continued, but after the 40 years of oppression, they haven't cried out to God like they did in the past. Instead, God in his grace was provoking Israel's enemies, and he was giving Israel a taste of freedom through Samson. The question is, are they going to listen to the voice of God calling to them to repent of their sins? 
for there's been no national crying out. Next he goes to see his future wife, and along the road a lion roars at him. Judges 14.6 The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he would have torn a young goat. Alright, so he took down the lion as one would take down a goat. I mean, that's intense. And it, it said the Spirit of God came upon him. So we now see his spiritual gift, his supernatural strength. How one takes down a goat, I have no idea. So on the way back from seeing his future wife, he noticed a swarm of bees and a honeycomb which had settled in the carcass of the lion. Samson proceeds to eat the honey and take it home to his family, but he fails to tell them that he got it from the carcass of the lion, the bees and the honeycomb which was in the carcass of the lion. So this is the first of the Nazarite vows he breaks. And if you remember, it was those three Nazarite vows, never cut your hair, never touch a dead body, and never drink wine. We fast forward to his wedding. According to the tradition of the day, the wedding festival was a huge party lasting seven days. Well, Samson had no friends, or let's say no friends that supported him marrying a Philistine woman. So the Philistines provided him 30 companions who were dressed in really cool digs. So much so, Samson challenges them to a riddle. Judges 14, 12. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. So for three days, they could not give the answer. Samson's riddle was clearly the bees in the carcass of the lion, and they weren't going to figure it out unless they found the carcass or Samson let the answer get out. So it looked like Samson was going to get a flashy new wardrobe. And before we continue, let's talk about his marrying of the nameless Philistine woman. It's such a picture of Israel at the moment. The Philistines represented the world and the flesh and are symbolic of sin. And instead of wanting to change the world, Samson and Israel was not only conforming to it, but marrying into it. What does it say about husbands and wives in the deepest of unions that two become one in flesh? Samson was becoming one with Israel's enemy with each one of his forays into prostitutes' houses and foreign marriages. Israel had surrendered to the immorality of the world, and the devil was winning over the hearts and minds of Israel through sin and soul attachments and demonic worship. It was Apostle Paul who told Christians not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers in 2 Corinthians 6.14. This applies to marriages, but it also applies to those, all those who sin and are involved in a sexual sin. You are surrendering and attaching yourself to another. This attachment is called a soul attachment to another, for according to Mark 10.8, to become one in flesh. And this attachment is destroying many of the men of God, and it will destroy Samson. Now, without going too much into depth on soul ties, Samson was creating roadblocks for his own future, which each of his sexual sins. 
Samson's lustful weakness would plague him his whole life and cause him to surrender the secret of his strength to a woman who would betray him. All right, Samson's 30 friends are not happy, for they will be each providing Samson a new suit. They threaten his wife with death to find out the riddle. Poor woman, she gets stuck in the middle. She cries out to Samson in tears, who tells her. She, in turn, tells the 30 men, who answer the riddle correctly, and check out Samson's answer. I can't believe he calls his wife a heifer, or his future wife a heifer. Judges 14:18. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Now Samson flies off in a rage. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down thirty of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home, and Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had tended him at the wedding feast. All right, so you think Samson forgot about this gal, but it doesn't stop here. I mean, it escalates and escalates. Next, he goes to find the girl again, and her father tells him that he had given her to one of his companions. Next, he flies off in another rage. Samson said to them, This time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the stalks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. Seriously, just park it here. I mean, come on. What was that? He caught 300 foxes and tied them in pairs, sent them in the Philistine harvest fields with torches behind every pair. I mean, think about it. I mean, just think about the, the what he actually did. It's ridiculous. If it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. I mean, how do you catch a fox? Much less, how do you catch 300 foxes? Where do you even find a fox? How could he do this? Was there even 300 foxes in the land? I mean, imagine it took forever and incredible patience just to track them and cage them. And all the while, his rage must have increased and increased for perfect retribution. To imagine the deviousness and the work required when he could have just burned the fields himself. It's really quite remarkable just to consider it. Samson was really one of a kind in all of human history. Well, the Philistines, man, they're they're just torqued after this. Millions are lost in tangible goods, produce, and their harvest. They were furious, and they sent men to track down Samson. They were led to the woman he was previously engaged to, and they burned her alive and her husband. A poor girl. I mean, she she gets burned by her own people, stuck in the middle again, and now she's dead. Her story is horrible, and Samson's retaliation is worse. Samson said to them, Since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Edom. So I just read the NIV version of those two verses. Check out the King James. And Samson said to them, Though ye have done this, 
Yet will I be avenged on you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with the great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock of Etim. Cool language, huh? Samson smote them hip and thigh. Don't know what that means, by the way, but he smote them hip and thigh. Now the Philistines sent 3,000 men into Lehi and Judah. The men of Judah were terrified of the Philistines, and they requested Samson to surrender himself to the Philistines. Isn't this sad? This is where it should have said, Now the men of Judah cried out to God, but instead they chose to surrender their champion. And Samson went along with them, though. He allowed Judah to bind him and surrender him to the Philistines, promising to not kill him. Here's the rest of the account. As he approached Lehi, Philistines came forward to him, shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. And when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramath-Lehi, because he was thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall in the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and the water came out of it. And when Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called in Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for twenty years in the days of the Philistines. You gotta love this guy. I mean, I love his line. With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. What a one-liner. I mean, couldn't you see it in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, we're not going to talk about Samson's lust or his vengeance, but there's a fascinating account of this final scene by Josephus, and it's a real character lesson of itself of pride versus humility. We conclude this episode with Josephus' account of the battle of Enhakore and the humbling of Samson after the battle. Then did they bind him with two cords and led him on in order to deliver him to the Philistines. And when they came to a certain place, which is now called the Jawbone, on account of the great action there performed by Samson, though of old it had no particular name at all, the Philistines, who had pitched their camp not far off, came to meet him with the joy and shouting, as having done a great thing in gaining what they desired. But Samson broke his bonds asunder, and catching up the jawbone of an ass that lay down at his feet, fell upon his enemies, and smiting them with his jawbone, slew a thousand of them, and put the rest to flight in great disorder. Upon this slaughter, Samson was too proud of what he had performed, and said that this did not come to pass by the assistance of God, but that his success was to be ascribed to his own courage, and vaunted himself that it was out of a dread of him that some of his enemies fell, and the rest ran away upon his use of the jawbone. But when a great thirst came upon him, he considered that human courage is nothing, and bare his testimony that all is to be ascribed to God, and besought him that he would not be angry at anything he had said, nor give him up to the hands of his enemies, but afford him help under his affliction, and deliver him from the misfortune he was under. 
Accordingly, God was moved with his entreaties and raised him up a plentiful fountain of sweet water at a certain rock, whence it was Samson called the place the jawbone, and so it is called to this day. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we continue our look at Judge Samson. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question. Or if you want to chat, email me at messagetokings at gmail.com.